me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the next edition of Two Upfront, presented by Three Lines Pub, here from the Attention Era Media Studios in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. A Thursday afternoon here in the beautiful city of Milwaukee. A little chilly today, Simon, but we're, uh, we're dealing with it. Fall is certainly in the air, though. I do enjoy fall, and it's not just because of, uh, you know... The romanticism of sitting outside in a cafe enjoying a hot cup of cappuccino, which I rarely do anyways. I was going to say, when uh, do you have free time to do that, Simon? My gosh. That's why I say the romanticism of it. You know what I mean? Yes. It's a good picture. But no, actually, uh, my my youngest daughter, Bethany, today, she said, you know, Daddy, I know it's getting cold out, but I think Halloween is pretty much my favorite time of year, so I'm okay with this. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Okay. It's always interesting to see whose favorite holidays or what or times of year. Fall is definitely my favorite time of year, obviously, but it's a sad time of year because soccer's almost done, too, which sucks. But Well, for MLS, right? For MLS, NWSL, stuff like that. I mean, yeah, you've got the Prem and all that other (laughs) stuff, I guess, if you like that sort of thing. Which I guess we're going to have to start researching, Baxter, because we need to talk about something. Somebody, yeah, someone's going to have to talk about it, I guess. I don't know. But we've got a good show in store for you today. We will have two great guests joining us on the shopfutsal.com call in line today first we'll have western new york flash head coach paul riley and then we will also have the chicago red stars head coach rory dames joining us as well both gentlemen previewing their games they've got this upcoming weekend against the washington spirit and the portland thorns as the nwsl semifinals kick off it's going to be a good time we of course want to remind all of you that you can find the show on demand by going to Spreaker.com, the Sports Podcasting Network, iHeartRadio, and iTunes. And then, of course, we are live Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time. You can also find us on Facebook. Just type in two up front in the search bar. At this point, it's probably all over the place anyways. Otherwise, you can find us on Twitter at two up front soccer. He is at Baxter Colburn. I am at Simon Provan. All right. A couple of good things we want to get to today. First and foremost, some sad news. We normally don't kick off the show with sad news in our kick around, but it's sad news, but it's it's something that we want to just, you know, our heart goes out to him. It's Clint Dempsey. He found out that he will not be able to play the rest of the season due to that irregular heartbeat that we found out that he had a couple of weeks back. Uh, what a time, too, for him to be out because now the Seattle Sounders are finally in above the red line, at least in MLS in the playoffs currently. Still have some games to play, obviously, but they're going to have to do the rest of the season without Clint Dempsey. Yeah, I think we saw last night, though, in their 1-0 win that losing Dempsey at this point doesn't seem to be too big of a deal, but listen, when you can add a Clint Dempsey to your lineup, that is huge. 
Oh, I agree. I can. So, I, I so 100% agree. In with, yeah. some ways, it's a loss, and well, I'm never going to say it's a gain, but at the same time, the Sounders are playing really well, and and they maybe need him. Right, right, and maybe that's the motivation that they did yeah. need. Yeah, you know, like, now, now they're playing for Clint, kind of. Exactly, that's the thing. I wonder if they would. We, we see some teams do like the little patch or something sometimes on the jerseys. I wonder if they'll do uh, you know a little hashtag Clint or something. I don't know for. I mean, he didn't die, obviously. Right. But, yeah. Right. But I, I don't. I don't know if they would do something like that for him since he's such an integral part of their team. Yeah. Maybe it depends on the results. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, speaking of results, too, the Concacaf Champions League has been dynamic to say the least. The Vancouver Whitecaps they're undefeated. They're four zero. Ten goals for. Two goals against. Doesn't matter if they're home or away. They're dominating people. Oh, thrashing of Central FC the other night, four to one. My goodness! Uh, and actually, you got some other teams. Of course, Sporting Kansas City is not going to advance because no. they're in that same group they've with been, Vancouver. They've been bad. But Baxter, one of the really uh, tasty treats that we get to see is FC Dallas is going to make a return trip down to Guatemala, taking on I don't even know how to say this club, Baxter. I'm going to try those. Sh- yeah. Yes. Well, it's exactly it. I don't <laughs> want the FCC to come after us. Such a Shustapiquez, something like that. We something, need, yeah. we need one, of, we need one of our uh, a Spanish interpreter to come Please. on and say that for us. But listen, they are tied on points. They each have five in the group, so it's going to come down to that game in Guatemala, which is going to be tough for FC Dallas because that happens on October 20th. FC Dallas might still be fighting for the supporter shield at that yeah. point. So you wonder what's going to play out in this game. And they're not alone in Tasty Treats, Baxter. You got the Portland Timbers taking on the mighty club of Saprissa. Which we know is always a good time because you've talked about Saprissa on this team multiple, uh, this, this, this season all the time, especially with how Portland has to go against them all the time as well and being in CONCACAF Champions League. Absolutely. Now, we do have to say the reason that Portland is able to play this game and possibly move on is because of their incredible win against Sede uh, Dragon. It was a, an away match for them, and it had to be at a... I'm not sure why, but it had to be at a neutral venue. So oh, it was, it was okay. interesting watching the game, Pastor, because there weren't many people there, if anybody. It was almost like a match Sometimes it's better both. that way, though, right? Not have to deal with all those fans hollering at you? Absolutely. So Portland was down 1-0. They end up coming back to win 2-1. to Ironically, their first... First away win <laughs> this Ooh, year. Interesting. Had okay. to go to a different country, but Nagby with uh, with a cracker of a shot to win that one for Portland. So, the good thing for Portland is they take on Saprissa in Portland. Mm. Um, so they win that game. They are through. Well, going off that Nagby point that you had too, you and I had a conversation, I believe, yesterday about this, saying that that goal is absolutely vital for Darlington Nagby as a whole because in MLS, let's be honest, he hasn't done a whole lot the last couple of weeks. So the fact that he was able to step up on the field and say, "Look." I still have got this talent. Didn't you remember all that hype a couple months ago when you were saying, you know, should be starting for the national team, all that jazz? I still have got it. I, you know, I can still make wonder goals happen when I need to, and he did it again, which I think was perfect timing for him. Well, and off the MLS team's Baxter surprise result last night, Tigres out of Liga MX ends up losing to Plaza yeah. Amador. It's, it, at least I get to practice all my R rolls here today. Yes, exactly. Uh, so that's that's a very interesting thing because usually it's most of the MLS teams and all of the Mexican teams that end up moving on. But there will be a decisive game now for Tigres taking on Herianao, who took on Montreal last year. Mm. Montreal had to come back and win, if I, if I remember that correctly. Maybe it was Club America. Either way, Tigres having to win to advance. You usually don't see that this late in the group yeah. stages for a Mexican team. And one other thing to point out as well, too, not to take anything away from the final MLS team, the New York Red Bulls, they're on eight points. They've already qualified. They look good. You know, two wins at home, two draws on the road. They've only allowed one goal through their four Champions League games. 
We'll be curious to see what they do. I mean, they beat out Antigua and Alanzia FC as well in their group for them. There's no chance that either of those teams can catch them at this point because they're six points clear. I'm curious to see what Jesse Marsh and company can can continue to do in the CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah, we shall see. It was, as you mentioned, a big draw for them, 0-0 down at Antigua. So... I'm interested to see too, and that's always that's always the tough thing about Champions League is the MLS teams do well, tend to do well in the group stages, yeah. but then of course the quarterfinals come around, and now they're in the off season. So th- it would be great to see if there's a way to balance that schedule out between the MLS and Mexican teams, but don't count out Saprissa. They are they are a Costa Rican team they that did Saprisa represent you, and and they did represent Concacaf at a FIFA Club World Cup. They took third yeah. place while they were there. Did they really? They did. And there's not many Mexican teams that can say that. It's always surprising to me when you see these Mexican teams go to the FIFA Club World Cup and yep. end up losing to a Chinese team or a, uh, <laughs> an amateur African team. Yeah. It's, it always bewilders me. No, I, I agree with you on that one. Now, one other thing we want to, well, two other things quickly we want to talk about here before we jump into our interviews. Jurgen Klinsmann, of course, is being rumored, as he always is, for the England managerial job after Big Sam officially resigned. He mutually parted ways. He thought it would be the best move. But from what I heard, at least yesterday, Klinsmann came out and said, there's no there's no truth to these rumors at all, unless it's changed in the last 24 hours. You know, the interesting thing, Baxter, is the first time around when all these rumors were flying, Klinsman didn't say anything. Yeah. And then after they hired Big Sam, somebody finally asked him, so what was that all about? He said, nothing was going on, so I didn't feel the need to comment. This time he comments right away. Hmm. So it makes you wonder if, if he is being, well, if, if the English FA has reached out to him. I would be curious to see what his tactics would bring to the you know the English national team, but I mean you know you could get you listen to English talk radio and you hear the pundits all the time saying well how do you how do you correct England how do you who's the right man for the job whose tactics we've seen an Italian fail we've seen a British man fail we've seen you know X Y Z fail it's what can actually save England from themselves basically. Right. Well, I will say this. Uh, I can't answer that question directly, but you look at a lot of the polls. The Guardian had a poll of who they would like to be their coach. Uh, a couple other papers out yeah. there. And most of the polls are coming out with, with a non-Englishman hmm. on the top. Interesting. So I had made the comment last show, the English just got to get past their arrogance. You know... I don't think it's the fans. I think it's the FA. Yeah. No, I would agree with you on that one, too. I mean, if you were, if let's say this for a hypothetical, if you were an actual coach, Simon, would you want the England job based off of how chaotic it is with the FA and the players available? Because you've gotten incredible players to choose from, but... This, uh, it's the, the management, you know, kind of dealing with that. Is that is That's a great question, Baxter. Uh, if I am a if I'm a top coach, I don't know if I want that England job. Yeah. Uh, one, you would want to take it, yes, because you want to be able to show that you're the one who took England to the mm-hmm. promised land while everybody else failed. But two, you know, the moment you take that job, you literally have people saying this person should be fired because he breathed wrong. <laughs> It's true. No, it's absolutely true. That's why people always say that, even like from an NFL reference, that's why it's good that Aaron Rodgers plays for the Green Bay Packers, because if he was in a bigger market, like what England would be for like an England managerial market or a Klinsman in the United States, sometimes that too, if you're in a bigger market in front of a bigger audience, suddenly you're under a bigger microscope where, you know, if you're, if you got, whoever the national team is, coach of Wales is, I'm sure he can do whatever he wants and people don't really care, no offense to Wales, but you all of a sudden become England's or Italy's or Germany's or Belgium's manager and suddenly you're under this massive microscope. Chris Coleman, by the way, 
coach of Wales. Huh? The only reason I remember that say, how do you is know because that? of <laughs> because of his time at Fulham when he was signing all the Americans and Fulham was nicknamed Full America. Ah. Chris Coleman was the coach then. Okay. So he, he was he was one of the few that said, I don't care what nationality you are. If you can play the game, let's sign you. As I say, that's all that matters, right? At the end of the day. Interesting. At, Interesting. Well, if you think Simon should submit his application for the England <laughs> national team coach, let us know, of course, on social media. Um, you can go to our Twitter page, uh, 2 Upfront Soccer at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. When we come back, Chicago Red Stars head coach Rory Dames will be here with us. Uh, real quick, Baxter, I do want to note, since we are big fans of women's soccer, big news out of Fox Sports. Yeah. The U-17 Women's World Cup is going to be aired Ooh. by Fox Sports. I don't know if that means Fox Sports 2, Fox Soccer Channel that doesn't Fox exist anymore. Fox Sports 86 So we'll, we'll, we'll have to get the schedule and check it out. But it's at least good news that they're yeah. going to be airing a U-17 Women's World Cup. Definitely going to have to check that out. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Welcome back inside the studio. Two up front, presented by Three Lines Pub here from the Attention Era Media Studios in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, we've had a great show so far. We continue to roll along with the program, and we head down to the great city of Chicago as we are running a short series here on Two Up Front as those Val listeners that we have. We love all of our listeners so much. We appreciate all of you. You know we're running a short series talking with each of the NWSL playoff team head coaches. And now we get the opportunity to speak with, for the first time this year, head coach of the Chicago Red Stars, Rory Dames. Coach, welcome to Two Up Front, sir. Thanks for having me. Well, we're excited to have you. You've got a huge game, of course, this upcoming weekend, and we are excited to, to talk about it as well, too. The team that you just beat as well, you beat the Washington Spirit 3-1. to Now you have to go to their place and try to do it all over again. Were you confident with that result that you can go and do the exact same thing, but this time on the road? Yeah, I think we're confident that uh, we can go there and get a result. Um but nothing's easy in this league, and especially when you get into the Final Four. So I'm sure the game will play out a little bit differently tactically. But, yeah, yeah, we feel good about it. Roy, you really exploited Washington's defense in the last game. Is that part of your – I mean, obviously you want to score goals. That's the name of the game. But is, is, is that part of your game plan for this first playoff game? Hopefully your first and well, you the, know, may have a second. Yeah, <laughs> I think with the players that we have in the attack, trying to break lines is always going to be something that we look to do. Uh, getting the old early goal opened the game up a bit, and they sent a ton of numbers forwards and kind of put us on the back foot. So the game really turned into a lot of uh, defending and countering for us. So there were big gaps in their back line to get after at that point. One of the things we've heard this season, Coach, um, uh, not only on the show but just around the NWSL, is that, well, Chicago's only as good as Kristen Press. If you take Kristen Press off the field, Chicago's got nothing. Is that is that a true statement from someone that lives and breathes Chicago Red Star soccer on a daily basis? I think if that's what people want to believe, then they're more than welcome to believe that, and we'll continue to do what we do and not get caught up in that stuff. So you're saying you don't believe that, then? saying that we have 20 players on our team, not one. But we're thankful to have Kristen, but we're thankful to have the other 19 as well. 
And I understand that. That makes total sense to me. I just was curious to hear what your thoughts would be about that. And speaking of, you know, having, having a total team, for your home games, this is more of an overall season question. You've played in different facilities. Would, would you prefer to have one facility to play in, or, you know, do you enjoy the challenge of, of having more than one home field? Well, I think for us, you know, the, being at Toyota Park is ideal. And the players and the management worked very hard to be able to make that happen. So we uh, we love playing at Toyota Park, and we love being able to call that our home. I think some of the other stadiums in the league are, are pretty exciting to go in and play in as well. So as the standards continue to increase in the league, I think uh, you know the playing venues and surfaces will only continue to get better. When you look at this roster, you've got a couple of current U.S. Women's National Team players on the team. With them being gone for sometimes almost half of your season, does that get frustrating sometimes as a coach to try to figure out who the the next woman up is? Or have you been pleased with the results with the the players that have gotten more playing time due to those ladies being gone? I think last year when the players were gone for the World Cup, a lot of our younger players really stepped up and excelled. And I think we did a little bit different with our roster this year because the Olympics was a shorter event. So it's always good when, when players get an opportunity to go in and play, regardless of why that is. Uh, we obviously support all the national teams and their players and understand the significance of them going to represent their countries. But it's also nice to have them here. And the level and quality of our team is better when they're here. And the level and quality of the league is better when they're all here. I mean, I don't think that's a, a big secret to anyone. But you also have to give and take and manage their schedules and make sure you plan your team accordingly so in their absences you have players that can indeed step up and continue to do what needs to get done for the group. I do have to ask you about this past game again that you had against Washington. You knew that regardless of the result, you were pretty much going to play them at Washington this uh, this Friday. So how do you approach a game knowing that for all intents and purposes, there's not that much on the line. How do you how do you motivate your team? How do you mo- motivate yourself? Well, there wasn't a ton on the line for us, but there was a lot on the line for Washington, and there was a lot on the line for Portland. And, you know, the integrity in the league is high, so it would have been easy to hold some players off and play some of our younger players and give them a run out in the game. And had the game not mattered throughout the entire course of the league, then maybe we would have done that. Um, but since the, the shield was on the line, it was important that we played with the integrity and respected the league the way that it should be and the way we would hope somebody else would have done it if we were in that situation. Did you receive a, a thank you text or a, a small fruit basket or anything from Coach Mark Parsons for taking down Washington, or uh, was that just kind of a, an unwritten rule of the coaches? You're just like, you know what, we did our job, we don't need to worry about it. Yeah, you know, the first year we, we got Kansas City in the last game and beat them late, and that gave the shield to Western New York. And uh, they reached out and simply appreciated the fact that we approached it that way. Haven't heard anything from Portland yet, but that's not overly surprising. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to face them in a final here in a, in a week or so, so I can understand that. Sure. <laughs> Well, I do have to uh, ask you, Coach, about Casey Short, who's been on the show as well, obviously a upstanding young lady. She's one of those that have, has been looked at as possibly being called up to a national team spot here. I'm wondering about your thoughts on Casey Short specifically. Well, I think Casey's had a, a really good year. Uh, if you go back and look at that first Houston game, it was a bit of a rough start. 
I think she needed a few games to transition into the pace and the intensity of the league. Uh, but once she has settled in and kind of found her way, she's been outstanding. I mean, I, I think she'd be one of the players that would be up for defender of the year. She's played in every game, uh, scored two goals, gets forward and supports the attack, creates chances for us, rarely gets beat 1v1. So uh, super excited for Casey. I've known her since she was a little kid. So to see her come full circle and at least get her name into that mix for the national team, I think is outstanding for her. Staying on the defensive side, Coach, you traded for Stephanie McCaffrey from Boston midseason. She appeared in six games, or six total games. What was the, the thought process behind bringing, that, bringing her in? Is it insurance for Julie Johnston being gone? Is it just trying to an opportunity to get another quality player in the mix on the defensive side? Or what was the thought process to bring in a player like McCaffrey? Well, Steph actually plays up front. So we brought her in because we were having a hard time scoring at that point. And she's a little bit different than the other forwards that we have. We thought she would be a good complement to go with Kristen. Uh, a little bit different than what Jen Hoy brings, a little bit different than what Cara brings. You know, we did also trade to get Alyssa in this year from Boston earlier in the year because we thought we needed to solidify uh, an international-level number one goalkeeper if we wanted to be able to have a better performance in the postseason. Well, speaking of Alyssa, she didn't play in this last game because of an injury, and same thing with Stephanie as well. Will they be back Friday? Uh, I sure hope so. <laughs> so so there's no official word yet on on the, there's no timetable i guess then for either of those players i mean obviously in a perfect world if they are there and obviously then everything runs runs smoothly but who are the who are the next ladies up then for both of those players if they can't go uh probably this i mean michelle would obviously go back into goal force and she did a very good job last week and cara would probably be up front with us and scored a goal for us last week so we feel pretty good about the group that we have um, and not to be evasive. I mean, Alyssa and Steph both trained in today and are making progress, so we're hopeful they'll be available for the weekend. Yeah, you do have to feel good when you're without those two players and yet you still score a 3-1 win. Mm-hmm. Over Washington Spirit, once again playing the spoiler, um, as you said, you know, that, that caused, that. well, that played very well into Portland being able to take the shield this year. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a good way to end the season. I think Washington obviously had a little bit more pressure on them than we did. Uh, I would expect them to probably be a little bit more settled in next week and obviously have a lot of motivation heading into the game Friday. So I I think the game will play out differently as far as what goes on in the game, but the urgency and the intensity that was there on Saturday will definitely be there again and probably a little bit higher. Well, Coach, we want to thank you for joining us here on 2 Up Front. Pleasure talking with you. We wish you the best in your playoff chase. And uh, thank you again for being on 2 Up Front. Yeah, we appreciate it, Coach. Best of luck and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. Anytime, anytime. All right, there we go as head coach of the Chicago Red Stars, Rory Dames. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we've got more exciting action. Stay tuned. You're listening to 2 Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub.
Welcome back inside the studio. Two up front presented by Three Lines Pub here from the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. We just heard from Chicago Red Stars head coach Rory Dames. Now we get to head up the East Coast. I actually got my geographic location correct this time, finally. We get to go to New York and talk again to head coach Paul Riley of the Western New York Flash. He joins us on the ShopFootsall.com line. Coach, good afternoon and welcome to Two Up Front, sir. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing well. Paul, it's great to have you here, and I'm glad I'm, I'm around this time to talk to you because Baxter couldn't shut up about the great conversation you guys had the last time you were around, so I'm, I'm excited to get this rolling. Paul's just a lovable guy, I guess. He just has a lot of good things to say. But, Coach, you, uh, you, got, you face a very intriguing opponent uh, during your playoff matchup this weekend. You go in as the fourth seed. Have you, have you fully embraced the underdog status, or are you, you thinking that you guys are a lot better than some critics might be giving you your props for headed into the playoffs now? No, I think that's a fair enough label for us. You know, I think uh, based on the season, you know, I think the best team won it, and uh, we're in fourth place, and I think we're quite happy with that. You know, I think there's not one person, not one opponent in the country that put us in the final four. So, um, yeah, I think we've obviously achieved a lot uh, just by getting in. But you know, I don't want the players to be content and you know happy with the status quo, and uh, we're just there for you know for the thrill of it and I think uh, they've worked hard and they've done a lot of good things and, and the improvement in the team over the seven months has been dramatic and really pleased with the development of obviously some of the individual parts of the team too and uh, you know we've got nothing to lose I mean all the pressure's on them they've got a you know, fully international squad and they're playing at home for the first time and I think the biggest thing for our club and I've emphasised it a lot this week is this will be an experience for the players that they'll never forget an what? opportunity for them to be a better you know to be a better player and this team, you know, and this season might have come a year early for us. So, I think for them to be able to play in front of, you know, twenty thousand with this kind of pressure and this kind of cup tie atmosphere will be the thing that they'll remember the best. And if you get a taste of this, you're going to want this back again. And that's the most thing I can ask is that we get a taste of it and that the players and it's a young team that they want to come back and taste it again. And you know, hopefully we'll start next year with a bit more verb. And I think for the other three teams, you know, I think they're set on trying to win it for us. It's a development process. And, uh, we're still very, very young, and um, you know, I think we're, we, there's no question. We think we can win the game uh, by the way we play, and you know, we're going to attack them and they like to score goals, and they're going to have to they have to play well to beat us. And um, you know, we're just going to enjoy the whole, I think, the whole atmosphere and everything, and you know, hopefully improve from it. Yeah, Coach, you, you did mention uh, having a young team, and you you know, just looking at the amount of games played between the players, there was obviously a lot of different lineups you had to put out during the season. How do you approach each game, uh, especially you know, last game of the season? You know, you're going to be playing against Boston, who who hasn't been the best, but they were on a a bit of a good streak there, and you end the season with such a statement of a four zero win. How how do you approach a game in which you know you're not sure who you're going to be playing the next game? Uh, but you need to win this game to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that was the first playoff game for us, really, to be honest with you. It was like a cup tie for us, and you know, we prepared it like a cup tie, a one-off, and um, they responded really well. I mean, he went Taylor Smith right back for the first time last season. Uh, this is a, you know, a young player that got, never got drafted, and she had a great season for us, and she's a, one of our great stories, I think. And She came in, had a great game against Boston, and I think, you know, we scored early. We talked about a lot about scoring early in games. And uh, I think the eight times we've scored first, we've won. We're eight now, you know, when we score first. So I think it's important we get the first goal. We need in the game. We had a dress rehearsal in Portland a couple of weeks ago, which I think was good for our young team, too, because they were in that type of atmosphere already. And um, obviously it was a, you know, hard-fought game. And 
I think if we got the first goal during the first 30 minutes when we were on top, you know, the result might have been different. But we didn't, and then we learned from the experience. But the fact is that we had a dress rehearsal, and we know what we're getting ourselves into. We know what kind of cauldron it's going to be. And, um, you know, a couple of the players have said to me the best moment was when they went deathly quiet after Lynn Williams scored the second goal, you know, and that feeling of just quiet in the stadium is something that I think the players are looking forward to trying to do, you know. So. Yeah, and a, a lot of credit as well to your goalkeeper, Sabrina D'Angelo, who just made, uh, you know, a, an outstanding save when you guys were up early to keep you in the game and keep that momentum going. Yeah, I mean, Sabrina was a critical save, obviously, and I think, you know, since the Olympics, obviously she got injured before the Olympics, and she was out for a good two and a half months, and I think coming back is taking three or four games to get a timing right. Um, but now a timing is, I mean, the Boston game was the best game of the season for me. And, uh, we've had two clean sheets in a row. You know, we played Thailand. We got a clean sheet against them and we got a clean sheet against Boston. So for us, you know, we've, we've been a bit light in the back. You know, we've made some mistakes. We've had to change the back line a lot and the goalkeeper a lot this year. Um, so we've had some stability the last couple of games. And I think they go in with a lot more confidence than they've maybe had over the entire season and you know the back line the goalkeeper you know the 22 22 21 and 23 with a very very young back line and goalkeeper um you know not a ton of experience there either uh compared to obviously what the, the opponent has so i think that's going to be a big you know big moment for us will be that first 20 minutes to uh, just to get ourselves together keep ourselves you know uh, compact and make sure that we don't get beaten early in the game and then we, we stay in the game the longer the game goes on the better chance we have of winning it if we stay around you know now uh, coach I, i'm curious now because there has been criticism tossed at your team because of two different reasons one because you played boston four times this year so folks say that was kind of a, an easy four games for you that you were able to kind of cash in on and then there's also been criticism applied to lynn williams as well because she won the golden boot with 11 goals but she had such a big game against boston as many folks remember early on through the season do you do you listen to that criticism and do you actually you know believe some of that and say well yeah we kind of got fortunate that Boston was bad this year or a are you just that good and b is Lynn really that talented? Well, I think I mean you know for obviously for I don't give a hoot obviously but um, I think you got to look at the facts and the facts say something different within the top four for most of the season. Uh, you know Seattle can complain, but at the end of the day they played Portland twice when Portland had all uh, seven or eight of their players away. Well, when we played Portland, they had their full squad. When we played Houston, they had their full squad both times. So Seattle only took one out of six points during that start against uh, Portland. And then, you know, Seattle only took one point against us. So the closest, you know, the closest team to us had the opportunities and didn't take them. So for us, it's, you know, we took the opportunities. And, and I don't think Boston's that bad of a team. And when you look at the results and you take off 17 goals off against them, their defense, the defensive record's no worse than Orlando's. Or Houston's, you know, so um that is true, from that yeah. perspective I'm not really worried. Well speaking uh, of I'm not really uh you know, worried about that sort of thing. And for our for our players and for William Williams to be honest with you, she's been the best forward in the league all season. I don't think I don't think anybody can deny that. You know, she scored goals, she got assists, her work rate is phenomenal. And she's been durable, you know. And for a player that this younger than any to be able to play every single minute of every game, you know, you gotta be hat off to her and I think she's been tremendous, and, <clears throat> and I think I think she deserves MVP. Me personally, I think she's been the best player, most productive player in the league, and and she's played every game. You know, I mean, there's there's, there's other players that only you know really turned it on for half a season or stuff like that. But I think she's been consistent for us. And you know, we're, the only team that's beaten us twice all season is Portland. 
you know, the other team that won us on the series is Washington. They're the two top teams. Everybody else we've beaten or we've won the series between us and them. So I don't think anyone can have any complaints at the end of the day. So for us, it's, you know, we're here. We're on the top four. Just got to get on with it. We're surprised. Yeah, you know, a little bit. I don't think we expected to be in the season, but we're here and they've worked tremendously hard all year. So we're looking forward to giving Port on the game. They're the only team that's beaten us twice. So I think there's a little bit of an edge there too. You know, we don't want to get beat three times by the same team. So, We'll be working on for sure. Well, absolutely, Coach. And with looking at Portland this coming weekend, I mean, you're, you're playing against a roster of all-star women's soccer. You know, Ellie Long, Michelle Betos, Megan Klingenberg. The list goes on and on and on. Of course, Christine Sinclair is thrown in there, Tobin Heath. You've lost to them twice. So what's going to make this game different from the others for the Western New York Flash? I think it's getting on the board first. I think both games... You know, we had the better of the first half in both games. We didn't score, and then we paid the price, you know. And, um, you know, the penalty in both games, I think, that were dubious. Uh, that would have probably changed the game, too. So, I think you need a bit of luck. There's no question. We're going to need to ride our luck a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think the one thing that we don't worry about, we don't talk about names. And I know the players very, very well. I've coached a lot of them. You know, Emily Menges, Michelle Bayos, now you're on place for me. In, in the youth days back in Long Island for Albert and Fury. So I know those three really well. Obviously, I've coached in Claire. Um, I've coached quite a few of the other players, too. So, you know, we, we, we know exactly how they're going to play. We know everything about them. Um, I think for us, we're a little bit more, more of the unknown, you know. We're not the type of team that, that people really know what we're going to do. And, um, you know, I think that's probably the naivety of our team, too. We're a little bit naive. We're very young. Um, and, you know, I think that's probably a good part for us. They're very difficult to play against. We pressure hard. We go in a high press. And I think we're just going to be difficult for them. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter what your name's on the back of your shirt once the game starts. It's 11 v 11. And we'll just take it as it comes and do our best that we can, you know. I just want it to be a great experience for these guys. So for, you know, for future years, this is something that they want to achieve every year. And it's not just something now we just expect it to, to come back to it because it's not easy to be in, in the four teams that make the playoffs. And, you know, next year, Seattle will be better. Kansas City will be better. Uh, Sky Blue's got a good good group now. So I think there's going to be, Houston will be better for next year. So you never know. You may never get back there again. So enjoy it, make the most of it, and try and get a result. Well, fair enough. Well, Coach, we wish you the very best of luck this weekend. You can catch the Portland Thorns playing host to Paul Riley's Western New York Flash Sunday night, October 2nd at 5 p.m. Eastern time on Fox Sports 1. Coach Riley, thank you so much for taking your time today, sir. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Paul. Good luck this weekend. All right, we are going to run to a break. When we come back, we dive into our MLS predictions, some MLS news, and all kinds of other chaos that we love to do here on the show. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Back with more right after this.
Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub here from the Attention Era Media Studios in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Simon Provan. Some great interviews, wouldn't you say, with head coach Rory Dames and Paul Riley of Chicago and Western New York Flash? Absolutely. And I do have to say, Baxter, now I understand why you wouldn't shut up about your first conversation <laughs> with Coach Paul Riley. What, yes. a, what a great guy to talk to. Very colorful character, which is, which is fantastic. I love the confidence in his voice, and I love the big picture that he has looking at next year saying, look, this you know Kansas City definitely will be better because they're going to have their stars back. Yeah. Seattle's going to be better. Houston should be better. Sky Blue should be better. So it's going to be even a tougher league next year than it was this year. And, and for him to have that big picture and just to say, I want the ladies to enjoy this moment. Yes. Is a great, I mean, yeah, of course you still want to go out there and, and, and believe that you can win the championship. But, but again, just to have that big picture because who knows how long this group of particular women will be able to stay together. Yeah, so why no, not enjoy right. it while you're there? Exactly. I completely agree with you. I mean, you even look at it, too. Yeah, Seattle Rain, they were two points behind them. Kansas City, they were only a handful of points behind Sky Blue. Houston, there was it was a close battle for that final fourth spot, but you know, ultimately Western New York Flash, they emerged with a 9-6-5 and five overall record. 32 points. They scored 40 goals this year. They scored the most goals in NWSL this year. 10% of them in their last game, that 4-0 win over yeah. Boston. Yep, exactly. So a very good result for them overall. So we are excited to see what takes place, but we want to move on to some MLS stuff now, of course, Simon. A big weekend of MLS soccer coming up, but we want to obviously review some of the games that took place uh, yesterday. We forgot about them, unfortunately. Sorry, guys. Forgot about those in our predictions last week. So um, I think we need to talk first and foremost about how good DC United is because they continue to win games, and they have now, I believe, put a four-point... Uh, De- not a deficit, a four-point advantage between them and the New England Revolution for that sixth and final playoff spot. Uh, and I think we also need to talk about the fact that Montreal finally won a game. I didn't know what to do with it. When I, when I saw that they won a game, I was like, wait a minute, who is this Montreal team? Not only did they win, but they won pretty handedly, 3-1 yeah. over, over a decent San Jose Earthquakes team. Not a great or good, but decent San Jose Earthquakes team. Yeah, so with that now, Montreal, they hang again out in fifth place in the Eastern Conference. D.C. stays at six. New England and Orlando and Columbus and Chicago are all four, five, and et cetera, et cetera, points behind. If you know the, you look at those three teams: Philly, Montreal, and DC United. Right now, I don't necessarily see them changing in terms of the six teams. We already know one through three is already solidified in terms of like the other teams getting in. Do you see anybody on the outside looking in in the Eastern Conference that's going to make it in? No, I, I really don't. Uh, New England had their moments. Yeah. Just recently, I, I just don't think they're good enough. But they're going down the tubes. Orlando City just keeps letting in goals after goals. Yeah. I mean, they had that 0-0 draw with Toronto last night, which was yeah. quite a shocker. Uh, but before that, there are three games before that, actually they let in 10 goals. That's not acceptable. And, and, and in two of those games, four goals each. There are enough good goalkeepers around the world that you should be able to bring somebody in, not even as a DP. And that's just unacceptable. You do yeah. not allow that many goals in. Yeah, no. So I, I do. I think I think the final six are, are set. Perhaps what you do see is DC United make a climb up to number four with the way they're playing. I can see them taking over Montreal, taking over Philadelphia. A lot of that will depend on how they play their uh, second game in this double game week, uh, as well as how New York does against Philadelphia. If yeah. New York beats Philadelphia, I do believe that we will see DC United get up into that uh, fourth spot that fourth eventually. Spot. They've been playing well. Patrick Mullins, Patrick Nyarko, Sam Lloyd. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, Leo Costa has not been scoring many goals, but assist after assist after assist. Yeah, he knows where to find his teammates on the field, which I think is what you need. You do wonder, 
New England trades Patrick Mullins. New York City FC. I get the New York City FC trade that he was. Yeah. Well, New England didn't protect him in the expansion draft. That's what they did. They left him. Oh, that's right. They didn't trade him. Right. Right. But I mean, even then, you saw the potential of this of this kid. Yeah. Yeah. I was that guy saying, "Why are we letting this guy go away?" And then New York does trade him though to DC. And again, I get it. Their midfield is jam packed. Uh, Their their forwards obviously Mm -hmm. got David Villa up there. But man, every team he's been on, he's produced. And that's the thing. Like he's only been in the league for three seasons, but he's scored everywhere he's gone, and it's just absolutely incredible. And you have to wonder too if you know we, they do a, a series in you know ten plus years if that trade by New England, that trade by NYCFC or that release of New York it's, or, or by New England it's like was Patrick Mullins one of the greatest players ever released or undervalued or whatever in MLS history? I know it's early; he's only played three seasons, but he's producing at a high level. He's producing. And Baxter, I want to shift to the Western Conference. Yeah, please. Uh, we've talked about this. Not a surprise to us. But Seattle is officially over the red line, and Portland is now on the outside looking in. Yes. We talked about that this is probably what would happen. Portland has not looked good. Their back line been porous, also because they haven't been able to play with a consistent four in the back. Yeah, you're uh, right about that. Seattle, they dominated Chicago last night. Surprising that uh, they win 1-0. And it actually comes off of Chad Marshall scoring. Yeah, exactly. Not, no, not Ladero, not Alonzo. No Jordan Morris. No Jordan Morris, although he had his moments. But, uh, As he always does. Right, but uh, Ivan Schitz with a great corner, mm-hmm. Chad Marshall there. And Chad Marshall does what he does best in the box when he scores goals. Right he's, off a, his head. he's a nuisance in the box when he actually has the opportunity to exert his body out there. And I think that's a, it was a classic Chad Marshall goal, I feel like. So, I mean, you look at the Western Conference right now, it's FC Dallas, Colorado, LA, RSL, Sporting, and Seattle, one through six right now. Portland is just on the outside looking in. Vancouver, they would need a lot right for that, for them to get in. I mean, San Jose is technically only a point behind Vancouver as well, but I don't see San Jose. I don't see Houston doing anything. Vancouver, if they if they win this weekend, you think you might still have a conversation. But if Portland wins, then it's a, then I think that conversation's over. Well, and and you have Seattle taking on Vancouver, so exactly. huge huge game there regard in regards to the standings. But you're right. You look at it. Vancouver's six points behind Seattle. Seattle's got a game in hand now. Usually, what I've said this several times in the show. Usually, when Seattle has a game in hand doesn't mean anything for them, but they've been taking advantage of that late in the season. Exactly, yeah. I think it's interesting, too, that Jordan Morris has six game-winning goals on the season as well, too. And I think the question for Seattle is the same for D.C. United. I, I do believe they're in the playoffs, but it's a matter of can they jump over Sporting Kansas City? Can they jump over a Real Salt Lake? That's having a bit of a identity crisis as yeah. well. No, I, I would agree with you on that one. I don't necessarily know if Seattle has what it takes to get outside of maybe number five in the standings. Sure, I, I could sure. see them jumping Sporting KC just because they've been all over the place, and I think Sporting KC is going to be just bad enough to still stay in the playoffs, but they're going to lose that first knockout round just because that's how they always are. Maybe another double post? Maybe. Who knows? Because things like that happen all the time. I, I have no idea exactly, but I think the six teams it's so hard to know Seattle and Portland is honestly a coin flip for me personally I don't necessarily know you'd like to say well Seattle's riding that momentum they really seem to have it together they should they deserve to be in the playoffs but at the same time Portland doesn't have a bad team they've got a great a great club to put on the field they they I, I'm going to disagree aside from with their that. defense. Well, right then, that's I mean that's the huge thing. That's what I was going to say. I, I disagree with that. I think Seattle's just playing better ball right now, and it's it's not even just a matter of momentum. It's a matter of confidence and yeah. the way they're moving that ball. You know, from the back up to the top, everybody's involved in almost every play. They're they're playing like a playoff team. They're playing like a team that believes in themselves. Whereas when I watch Portland play, 
to use an English term, since we just had Paul Riley on the show, there's there's many moments in games where they're just all sixes and sevens, mm-hmm. you know, completely confused. Yeah. Not no, knowing I, what they're doing. I would agree with you on that one. Yeah, you, you thought for a moment that... You know, Portland was going to be able to put it together and, and kind of run away with it, but I haven't seen much of that recently. And, you know, if if Portland doesn't make the playoffs, I think I asked you this earlier in the year, too, does Caleb Porter keep his job? I think this year he does, yeah. I, I still think that. He's got uh, the, with, does he have the with, MLS Cup trophy buffer because they won last year? Uh, that helps, but I can't blame him too much this year because of the injury woes yeah. that they've had. Oh, my goodness. You know? It's been incredible. I mean, in, in a way, it's almost complimentary where they're at that he's kept them in the playoff race yeah. this long. You know, Ridgewall was down for a while. Borcher's obviously done for the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even had some some midfield angst there. You know, Gavin Wilkinson, in hindsight, did not do Porter any favors by getting rid of Jorge Villafana, uh, by getting rid of... Um, Aspria, Deiron yeah. Aspria, they could really depend on him right now as well. So I think for all the great moves Gavin Wilkinson made last season, last off season, I think the moves that he thought were going to pay off this year, uh, unfortunately, came to fruition of the fans' worst fears, and that is these are not the players to do this. Uh, I will say one last thing, Baxter, about Portland. I'm surprised of how Jack Mack has not really produced. Yeah. Granted, he hasn't been on the field all the time. And you had talked about him a lot, too, in the beginning of the season. Yeah, he certainly in, in, in Portland's preseason, he looked like he was going to be a monster. It looked like he was going to be pushing for a starting spot. But, you know, in that CONCACAF Champions League just the other night, well, the Portland did win 2-1. to one. You know, Jack McInery had, had a sure goal. He's probably 12 yards out. Mm-hmm. All he had to do was place it with the inside of his foot to one side of the goalkeeper, and it's a goal, and he just skies it. <sighs> Nobody likes that. you got to have a forward that you can depend on in crucial situations like that. Um, one other thing I want to talk to you about, too, Simon, that I'm curious about having to do with Minnesota United. Um, I know we haven't talked about them too much on the program, but I was listening to the radio today, listening to discussions on the United States of Soccer with Jason Davis, who will be joining the program in the coming weeks as well, which is going to be very exciting. Um, they were talking about how Minnesota doesn't have a stadium like their own soccer-specific stadium. And it got me thinking. They're playing at the University of Minnesota. I know that. They're playing at TFC Bank Stadium. And I think we've talked about this before on the, on the on the show. If you were Commissioner Don Garber, wouldn't you require expansion teams to have a stadium? They're going to have one. They, it, it, plans yes. are in place. They're yes, going to be building I, it. It's not going to be built before 2018, no, though. No, no. I'm but okay I'm saying, with that. Though, like, would you, wouldn't you want to have a stadium built before they come in the league? You would want that, but... Garber's made too many exceptions now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, as long as New York City FC is playing in Yankee Stadium, Mm -hmm. nobody else should have to be required to have a stadium. The Miami situation, I finally get it's a little different. Yes. In that uh, they haven't started playing because... They don't. They can't even come to an agreement with anybody of if they were to play somewhere. Yeah, uh, which is why he's saying, "Look, you need you need to have a stadium because that's the only way we're going to be assured that you're around for the years." Whereas Minnesota United, those owners, they're paying for their stadium. The only thing that they're getting is some uh, some tax breaks on the land. Yep, exactly. Uh, but they've got a stadium, and would it be great for them to have that built before they start? Yeah, absolutely. But you've got Atlanta joining the league next year. You want to try to keep it a, a even numbers as long as you possibly can with yeah. the amount of teams. So, no, so I, I'm, I agree I'm, with that. Ultimately, I'm okay with Minnesota. Pl- and, you know, uh, TCF Bank Stadium, it's not a horrible stadium for soccer either. No, it's, I it's mean, actually, they play NFL games there. Right. So you have to assume it's got to be at least at NFL standards. And, and if, you've, if you've watched those games when the Vikings were playing there, it's actually a pretty intimate stadium. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I don't have any problem with that. It's, it's still near it's the turf. city. Yeah. 
it's you know. also turf as well too so that might you know oppose some some folks from going or seeing the production on the field because it's like well it's it's on turf it's not real side it's you know it's not on grass kind of a thing yeah but, but I'd, I'd rather have them playing there than at the new u.s bank stadium and having to deal with mm-hmm. the the vikings yeah well i think it would be a gorgeous venue to play in don't get me wrong but i think i agree with you which of course you know too. the vikings ownership group was the one that was told now nah, we're not going with your plan so i'm sure they wanted absolutely nothing to do with Minnesota United MLS. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I'm sure they probably want nothing to do with it. It's interesting, too, because Atlanta is sharing the new Atlanta Falcons stadium, too, which is gorgeous, which they said that they have ways that they can move the stands closer to the field to, to make it seem more intimate in that soccer atmosphere as you're used to. But I don't, I don't necessarily know. Is it the way of the future, though, that we're going to see more of these teams playing in NFL stadiums, like more like makeshift arenas, not necessarily just NFL venues? I hope not, Baxter. Hmm. You know, you've got Vancouver in uh, BC Palace, and they do the same thing there. They have the, the curtains come out, so it actually feels like it's still a soccer-specific mm-hmm. stadium, and they're going to do the same thing at Mer- Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But you want to see these teams with their own stadiums. You know, uh, Garber came out and said that, thrown over to the revolution here now, Garber came out and said that within five years, he believes New England will have their own stadium. Sure, they well, will. I want to ask you, what do you think about that? Being I think such it's a revolution hogwash. Fan? I think they should have had a stadium years ago. I don't understand. They're not, New England is not a big enough team to survive in an NFL stadium. Do you get the sense that Bob Kraft is just too old-timed for yeah, the current MLS? Yeah, well, yes, 100%. I think he just doesn't care. But I think you see the difference between Arthur Blank with the new Atlanta stadium. When they built it, they were like, look, we are going to make sure it feels like a soccer stadium. That's a great point. Instead of for New England, where they're just like, well, we're just going to use you know Gillette Stadium, which is a beautiful football venue, not a soccer venue. It's way too far away. It's, it's like you're... Cavernous, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. And it's already an open... I think one of the sides is already open-ended anyway, like the way New England has their, their sides set up anyway. So, no, I think New England should have had a you know twenty or 25,000-seat stadium still in that Boston-Foxborough area, but they've been at... They've been at Gillette Stadium way too long. It's time yeah, for a change. Yeah, I agree. I'd be, I'd even be okay with them getting like an eighteen thousand seat stadium. Yeah, it doesn't at have to be point. massive. I mean, they don't have the supporters. They're not one of the bigger clubs. But I think they do need something and a uniform change too. I don't mind their uniforms as much. Actually, I do like the red ones with the yeah. uh, with a little uh, pine tree on them. But maybe that's because I'm a Timbers fan. So there I'm you just go. you know, it's like they're drawing another those team. Pine trees. I like it. All right, um, let's go over to our uh, MLS predictions uh, brought to you by the Red Lion Pub. Speaking of the Red Lion Pub, Baxter, we are so thankful for the sponsorship that they provide us, along with their sister pub, the Three Lions Pub, who is our presenting sponsor. Folks, they are not just a soccer bar. They are also an American football bar. So whatever type of football you like, make sure you check out the Red Lion Pub or Three Lions Pub. They have featured matches every week. This week, it's at 8.14 a.m. I don't have the game in front of me, but if you get to either of those pubs by 8.14 a.m., you will... Uh, get something some, good will happen. Uh, something good will happen. You'll get some <laughs> great drink specials, uh, but check them out. You can enjoy a full English breakfast and pint while supporting your team, whether it's American football or uh, European football. They love to bring 
across the pond to just across the street. Well, going off that too, Simon, this Sunday is a good opportunity to get the best of both worlds as well because you've got the NFL game in London, so you can go and check it out at 9.30, I believe, a.m. What? They got football in London? In Wembley. Yes, they're playing in Wembley. Wait, it's what do you mean football? They're using their hands. The, the hand egg. They're playing hand egg or, I don't know, people make all kinds of weird uh, things. We make fun, but we're both big Packers fans. So. Exactly. Woo! Go Packers. All right, let's look at these predictions. Uh, the Houston Dynamo playing host to NYCFC, a game that means nothing to Houston. They're basically going to try to play spoilers the rest of the way. Do they have what it takes at home against an NYCFC team that's already made a playoff clinching move? Does Houston? Yes, Sorry. Yeah, I, can I, Houston I, I was win? out of the world there for yes, a second. Can Baxter? Houston win? Yes, they can. Yes, yes, they can. Are they going to? No, it's going to be... Uh, Ah, what the heck? I'm going to take Houston. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with NYCFC on this one, honestly. I think they, uh, with the VIA show that they put on against Chicago, I think that they're going to come back again against another poor team and do some things again like that with goals and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> NYC is the better team. They've got they a better, the better squad. Team, yes. Regardless if Lampard's on the field or not, Houston is a dumpster fire this year. They need help. Dumpster fire. I you heard it, it here first. It, it's great that you say that because the fire is 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 a dumpster team as well this year. Exactly. Sorry, they're, Chicago they're, fans. They're fueling the fire that it is. Red Bulls playing host to the Philadelphia Union, a very crucial game in the Eastern Conference standings, a very important thing for the Shield race as well, too, for the, uh, for the Red Bulls. Is this a game that the Red Bulls don't really have to worry about? Should they just kind of coast through it, or are they going to have to get a lot of adversity from the uh, Union? Philadelphia to the Red Bulls is kind of like Seattle to the Galaxy. They are a thorn in their side, but I do think the Red Bulls come out on top on this one. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one, too. BWP and Sasha are playing at another level right now, and I think they're going to continue to power the Red Bulls through. Uh, Columbus and Chicago. Columbus still thinking they have a chance in the Eastern Conference, which is not totally wrong. But right. Well, I, I've got Columbus in this one mainly just because Chicago had to play Seattle last night. Now they got to travel back to Columbus. That's a long trip. Yeah. Uh, Short sh- week. Chicago. Th- there were times they looked dangerous against Seattle, but uh, I, I. Well, of course, this is also Columbus's second game this week, but they're at home, so you look at it that way. I the think old, it's easier that the, way. The, the, the old the old Denny Green comment: They're going to win because they're at home. There you go. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that one. I got to stop working these Viking references into our show. Seriously, my gosh. Ola Kamara, though, too, he's already got 15 goals and he hasn't even been here the whole season. A true striker that I think deserves to be in the conversation for one of the better players of the year, I think. Absolutely. Uh, All right, Columbus for me. The Revs playing host to Sporting Kansas City. A game where you really don't know what either team is going to do, let's be honest, because Sporting Kansas City is underperforming. The Revs had a hot streak. Now they they lost again last week to Columbus, a team that they had no business losing to. At Got shut out, yeah. if I remember correctly. Exactly. So Kai Kamara hasn't been showing up, speaking of the, exactly. the other Kamara. Yep. Uh, can Rowe have another breakout game like he did for New England? That's yeah. the question. He missed that, Colorado, or that Columbus game uh, with an infection. They expect him to hopefully be back in this game. Uh, I still have Sporting Kansas City, though. I think they're just the better of the two teams. Yeah, I agree with you. Maybe we actually see Dom Dwyer put in a few more goals as well. Yeah. TFC playing host to DC United, a very intriguing game, I feel like, because with the way DC United has been playing, even though they're coming off of a short week, they still seem to have some sorts of fire burning inside them, even though TFC is at home. They do, but TFC, you know, as you just said, they're at home. They started with a seven or eight game uh Away trip, sorry, yeah. at the start of the season. So now they get this long streak, long streak at home. I can't English today, Baxter. I don't know what's going on. It happens to the best of us, it's <laughs> but okay. I, I do see, uh, I do see Toronto 
winning this game over D.C. United, mainly because D.C. did have a shutout against Columbus, but their defense has been suspect uh, most of the season. They've also lost a player this week. I'm trying to look it up here. Baxter didn't have it. What is it? Savaris? Marcelo Savaris? Yes. Sav- yeah, Savaris. yeah he's, he's out for this game as well, and he's kind of the beating no, heart Sarvis. of that D.C. team. That's it. Anyways, a guy that played for L.A. at some point. Yeah. He's out as well, so I'm I'm taking... Who am I taking? Who's the other team playing? TFC. TFC. Gotcha. I'm going to call a draw on this one because I think that regardless, that DC is still just... DC's got something special going on right now. I'm traditionally not a DC United fan. I don't... I've, I've been kind of... They trained. do. They do have something special. You're right. Yeah. I think they're going to pull a draw. I think that would be a surprise result if they can get that draw. Okay. Quick announcement. My computer's up and running again, so... Oh, good. So glad. <laughs> I was like, what's going on over there? All right. Uh, Colorado playing host to Portland. A very intriguing Western Conference clash. Portland needs a win to get back into the playoffs. Colorado's too strong on defense for Portland to do much to them. So, um, I, But I am going to take a draw on this. I don't think Colorado has the firepower either. I think Jake Gleason has a good game in, in goal for Portland. This will be a battle of the goalkeepers. Tim Howard for Colorado, Jake Gleason for Portland, and I see this one being a draw. Interesting. I'm going to go with Portland to go into Colorado. That'll be my upset pick of the week. Uh, FC Dallas playing host to the LA Galaxy. Uh, both teams that have kind of had to suffer the wrath of some not-as-good teams recently, uh, including the Seattle Sounders. Does FC Dallas at home have what it takes to, to hold off the LA Galaxy from catching them in the shield race? Think of it this way, Baxter. FC Dallas at home is 10-1-4 on the season. LA Galaxy away from home, only three wins, four losses, mm. eight draws. So it's either a draw or an FC Dallas win. I am going to take an FC Dallas win on this one. I'm going to agree with you. Uh, San Jose and RSL, what do you think? Uh, this is a tough one as well. Um, uh, what the heck? I'll take the home team, San Jose. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> no, you know what? I'm reversing that. They haven't been that great at home gonna either. Say, I'm going to take RSL. I was going to say, Mike, they've been bad. That's why I was a little surprised by that. I'm going to agree with you on RSL. Orlando and Montreal. Montreal still doing things and stuff. Orlando not... I'm going to I'm going to take a draw on this one cuz Orlando at home is nothing to be afraid about either but no. I don't believe that Montreal's win that they had last night is going to send them into some long win streak so I'm going to take uh I'm going to take a draw on this one. Hmm, interesting. Okay, I'm going to actually agree with Montreal. Uh I think that that last game is going to is kind of woke them up, I think. And you're playing a similar team in Orlando that's used to conceding goals like Chicago is. Sure. I I do think it's going to be a high-scoring draw. Let me say that. I'm thinking like 3-3. Ooh, okay. I could see that. I could see that the both teams kind of getting out of hand, but then a, a last-minute goal snatched away at the end. Well, you got Joe Bendick as well for Orlando not playing well. Evan Bush for Montreal and goal not playing well. Yep. So Seems to be a recurring theme, I feel it's like. It's a shooting gallery. Exactly. All right, uh, Vancouver, Seattle, quickly here as we wrap up our predictions. Seattle. Yeah, I agree with you. That's just, you can't. You just can't argue. I don't care how good Vancouver is in every other competition. They're not doing well in MLS. By the way, are you impressed with how unbiased I've gotten over yes. over our year I'm and a half of, of you. being on the air here? You were very like, to hell with Seattle in the beginning of the show, and you've kind of <laughs> loosened up a little bit. I think we both have kind of realized our team's own destiny. Well, I'll tell you what. Part of it is is I've been impressed with the Seattle rain, so it's kind of yeah. come over. But at the same time, you see how well Jordan Morris is doing. Great move with Ladero. They uh, took a lot of guts to say goodbye to Ziggy Schmid, and they did. So yeah. I respect an organization that's going to make those tough calls like that. Agreed. Speaking of tough calls, let's do our two NWSL predictions as well. The Washington Spirit and Chicago Red Stars, Portland Thorns, Western New York Flash. Both games, no matter who wins, it's going to be a crazy good final regardless. Absolutely. I think these are going to be crazy good games. Yeah. I'll tell are you what. Are they going to be high scoring games, though? 
I think the Washington-Chicago game will, mm. and I'll give you my prediction. I think we're going to see a minor upset and see Chicago beat Washington. That's interesting. Okay. But I'm sticking with my pick that Portland's going to do the first women's double. At least in the NWSL, sure, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna beat the Flash. Interesting. Okay, um, I am going to see. That's interesting. I don't want a Washington Western New York Flash final, although part of me thinks that might be what ends up happening. I'm gonna jump on the Paul Riley train just for fun, just to go with do Western it. New York Flash. I got him. I'm gonna just pick the opposite of you and both, just for fun. Great. Um, I think honestly, at the at the end of the day, whoever does get there is gonna be very deserving of it. I think it's gonna be a great game, regardless. You know, that yeah, final is going to be... it's going to be fantastic to watch. All right, we're going to run to our last uh, quick break here, and then we will come back and do an I Believe, and we'll be out of here. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. It's Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub, here from the Attention Era Media Studios. I'm Baxter Colburn. Yeah, and this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, as we wrap up the show, it is time for one of our final segments. We've had a great show today. A special thanks to Western New York Flash head coach Paul Riley for joining us, and Chicago Red Stars head coach Rory Dames joining us on the ShopFutsal.com line. Are you ready for the final segment, sir? I am All ready. All right, let's go. All right, it is our I Believe segment where Simon and I both offer a prediction, a statement about something we believe will take place in the soccer world. Simon, do you would like to go first, or would you like me to? I'd like to go second, actually, this week, if you don't mind. Sure. No, I, I understand that. Um, I believe that based off of the performance from Patrick Mullins this season, that I think he, I think, I don't know if it's possible, but I think he will win Comeback Player of the Year. Or some sort of postseason award. I don't know if that. I don't know if he's eligible for that. If he is eligible for that, I think he'll win. I forget how that all works. If he have to be injured or how it works. But right. Yeah. I don't, he's had, I don't a, know he's had a monster year. If not, I think he at least deserves team MVP for DC United. I think he's played absolutely incredible so far since being with DC United, and I think he's put together a fantastic 2016 campaign. Yeah. I mean, especially these last three or four weeks, he's been a goal scoring machine as yeah. well. Got that hat trick against Chicago and that six two win. Got yep. a couple more goals. Not sure if it was this Wednesday night, but I know recently he's been putting some... He put two more goals in uh, over the weekend. He did. I over the weekend. I think he scored once last night as well, too. Uh, so unbelievable. No, no problem there with that, With that, I believe, Baxter. All right. Over to you, sir. My I believe is more of a, uh, a bigger picture thing looking at the NWSL. I believe that the NWSL will continue to grow and that this is going to be a, a fantastically stable league in years to come. Yeah. There you go. There you go. No. Uh, last thing I want to say, Baxter, has nothing to do with soccer. Just a, mm-hmm. a prayer out there for my niece who's going into surgery. Uh, she's been dealing with a lot of stuff. Uh, so just wanted to just wanted to throw that as we were off the air there Please. for a second. My no. brother had just sent me a message that she's going in early. So, Chelsea, prayers are with you, sweetheart. And we appreciate that. Definitely your prayers for your niece, Simon. We appreciate all of you for joining us on the program today. 
another full week of uh, interviews and excitement. A special thanks to all four of the NWSL coaches that joined us this week. You can go and get, of course, all of our information and our shows on demand on by going to iTunes. Make sure you subscribe. Write us a review. That helps us pop up more when people search for soccer or kick-ass soccer podcasts on iTunes. That we, I think we pop up when you search that. Either way, <laughs> if not, we should. Either way, thank you so much. We appreciate you guys for listening. Go to the Sports Podcasting Network and find us on demand. On Spreaker, you can find us live on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, of course, on iHeartRadio and on our website, 2upfrontsoccer.com as well. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook, 2upfront in the search bar. Find us on Twitter. Pretty simple, at 2upfrontsoccer. He is at Baxter Colburn, and I am at Simon Provan. All right. Thank you so much to all of our guests appearing on the shopfutsal.com line. A special thanks, of course, to the Red Lions Pub for their uh, sponsorship of the MLS Prediction segment as well. If you've got predictions, as you mentioned with Simon as well, shoot it over to us on social media or on email. We'd love to hear from you guys. He is Simon Provan. I am Baxter Colburn. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. With our manager being the one above, we are two up front. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. ba ba ba